I love it. Hey, welcome to Four Corners. My name is Ben. I'm so glad you're here. Like they said, brave in the weather to, uh, to come out to us. Um, hey, I, w- I want to tell you a couple things before I jump into the message today. Uh, first of all, men, that's the message for you today, what you just heard in comedy form. Ladies, I'm going to be chatting with you today. Um, so men got theirs. You're just coming in. It's just called fair is fair. But I- here's what I really want to say today. Last week, uh, I was out, and I want to tell you, I, I, I can't tell you how proud I am and how thrilled I am for the team that God has blessed me to work with. Um, there's never a moment's thought in my mind that if somehow I leave, the thing's going to collapse or that they can't carry it off. And I got some of the most incredible compliments this week, and I don't think you knew necessarily that it was a compliment uh, when, you, when some of you said stuff like this, that, you know, when, when I'm gone, even with the message time, pastors Greg and Matt, um, that it was like we didn't miss a beat, that we just kind of kept on going. And uh, one guy said, you know, I don't think we take a drop in quality at all. And and that is exactly my heart for this place, that God would raise up leaders, that God would raise up people. He would develop them. They would commit to him and grow in him. And in so doing, just give all of us lift because they do a great thing. So just publicly to all of you and to the entire team that makes it happen, think, thanks for letting me go to Florida and go to a conference and grow as a person and be with my family and uh, have total confidence in this place around here. All right, let me jump into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, ladies, you are incredibly powerful in the life of your husband. Now, I know not everybody in the room is married. Some of us used to be married. Some of us not even sure we want to be married. Some of us haven't thought about it. We got hurt recently, and we're not even ready to have the discussion about marriage. But, but I hope that both men and women today uh, would listen, because I'm going to share with you just honestly some practical truths from God's Word. Just some practical truths about God's Word that I think for a lot of us, if we'll take it seriously, we'll lift the lid on our relationship. Just lift the lid on our marriage and, and, and make us enjoy it more, help us experience more of what God's heart in marriage was anyway, that a man and a woman would come together and be friends, that they would do life together, that just the relationship itself would give life to each of them. And there'd be a lot of laughter and a lot of joy in the relationship. And when they face hard times, they would square their shoulders together and together tackle that thing. And they would do it over and over and over again. And through the different seasons of life, they would understand how to love each other and speak to each other and build each other up. As I describe that kind of marriage, i got to tell you, that's not always been my experience. My experience has been that I have screwed up a lot of stuff in my marriage. A lot of stuff. And when I, when I get ready to give a message to the ladies, I'm, I'm always nervous because I'm not a lady. It makes me very nervous, and, and the truth is, is that the only thing that gives me credibility to stand up here and give a message to you, <laughs> to the ladies, is first of all, I'm going to be giving God's word more than my opinion, so that, that's one, but mostly, my wife was gracious enough to give me permission to do it. She was gracious enough to say to me, look, you can go up there and talk to folks about what God's put on your heart here. And then there, there's one other side of the thing. I, I've sat with dozens and dozens and dozens of married couples, used to be married couples, and the kinds of common threads that I've heard from them over the years are the kinds of things we're going to talk about today. So men, let me help you for just a moment. Um, What we're going to say today, what what I'm going to say today, uh, if you take what I said and ever use this phrase, um, you're an idiot. You ready? Here's the phrase. Uh, What Pastor Ben said, or do you remember what Pastor Ben said, or... You probably should take to heart what Pastor Ben said. 
Uh, if those phrases come out of you, I want to let you know that it, when your wife attacks you, I'm not coming to help. You're on your own. You're completely on your own, all right? So with that said, let's all listen with a receptive heart to God's word. Here's a couple of verses to just get us started. They're not on the screen. They're just ones that I thought were interesting for this particular subject. It says in Proverbs 12:4 that a worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like a cancer in his bones. In Proverbs 9, 13, the woman named Folly is brash. She's ignorant and she doesn't even know it. Proverbs 21, 9. It says, it's better to live in the corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 27, 15. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. The, the writer of Proverbs here just compared a quarrelsome wife to Chinese water torture. When marriages aren't going well, it's a problem. And the emotional drain of that, over time, can, can be devastating. It can leave a person feeling empty. It can leave a person, man and woman, husband and wife, it, it, can, it can leave them feeling unloved, lonely, in the middle of a relationship, drained. They can lose hope. Thinking about the future is almost overwhelming. So God comes to us and says, I want you to keep my heart for marriage right in front of you. As you think about yours, as you think about the marriages, some of you have adult kids, of your adult kids, and you watch them now as an older adult looking back on them, and you think about your own, and you have hopes for them, and maybe you want them to do better than you did, or at least as good as you've done. And when you think about marriage, God says, I want you to keep my heart for you, man and woman, right in the middle of it. So he comes to men, and he tangibly says to them, here's the secret, men, for you. The secret is, you love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself totally and completely for it. And then he fills the rest of the New Testament describing how Jesus gave his life for the church. So there's this very little ambiguity in the tone, in the actions, in the overarching um, repetitive behaviors that men are supposed to engage. Service, and love, and sacrifice, and building up. And when there's a word of correction, it's gentle, and always loving in every motivation. And it's just crystal clear. But he doesn't just talk to men. God gave us the gift, in the word of God, of speaking to women tangibly as well. And I want to take you to a couple of those passages and then just kind of unpack them. Um, not necessarily going word for word through the passage, but trying to pull the, the essence out and wrapping it around some of the things that I've experienced and some of the things that I've heard consistently over my years of talking with married people and watching good marriages and challenging marriages up close. So ladies, here's two primary verses for you. All the other ones I just shared, I was just kind of kidding. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, here, here's what it says. On the screens, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. Now, that right there is where most people go, click, change the channel. Well, we don't click anymore, do we? Click, uh, change the channel, all right? Uh, 
I want us to just take that word submit and just kind of set it to the side for a minute, all right? Don't let that first speed bump in this passage trip you up. I I think by the time we get to the end, I think I'm hopeful, hopeful there'll be a better understanding because let me tell you first of all what this word does not mean. It doesn't mean that you become a doormat. It doesn't mean that you don't get an opinion. It doesn't mean that you're not ever right and that you're always wrong and that you just cower to a husband not, that's not what it means at all. So let's just start again and try to not absorb the full brunt of the speed bump. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word. So Peter here is talking about maybe a situation where the wife is interested in spiritual things and the husband really isn't. The wife is committed to Christ, maybe the husband isn't. So that if any of them do not believe the word, here's what he says, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. It's a simple point. No, don't stretch it too far. How a wife acts has a profound impact on her husband. It, it does. I mean, there's no debating that. On a, on a myriad of levels, all the way through the, the breadth and width of a man's life, how he's treated by his wife when it comes to spiritual things, that impact is huge. How he observes and interacts and sees and interprets what he sees has a huge impact. So Peter says, listen, your husband isn't on the same page with you spiritually. You'd like him to be more involved spiritually. Here's one of the things you can do. Be aware that how you treat him, even more than your words, that's going to be having an impact. Now verse 2. He says, so so here's the things to pay attention to. When they see the purity and reverence of your life, the sincerity of your faith, the consistency of your faith, not mixed images, not an adulterated image of your life with God and your love for them, but when they see the, the purity and the reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from your outward adornment, such as elaborate high hairstyles and the wearing of gold and jewelry or fine clothes. Now, Peter's not saying those things are wrong. He says, that's not your beauty. That's not what makes you wonderful. And at the end of the day, that's not really even what leaves the lasting impact on your husband. Verse 4, rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet. Now, this word quiet doesn't mean that you never speak. It's against the kinds of things that the proverb writer was trying to tell us earlier. This quarrelsomeness, this picking a fight and more concerned about your own rights than what's best for the family and what's best for the husband and what's best for the relationship and buying into the idea that what's best for the marriage is ultimately best for the husband and the wife. So with a gentle and quiet spirit. Then he says, this idea is of great worth in God's sight. Now ladies, I want to let you know that even though I'm not a lady, the kinds of words here, if I were, I think, Uh, they would frustrate me a little bit. Because I think if I thought about them, I might have this idea. I hear what you're saying, Peter. I see what the Word of God says here about inner versus outer beauty. But that's not really the way the world is. And you'd be right. The world has always tried to define your worth, not just in a marriage, but your worth as a person, by shallow external indicators. Today, no matter how you're doing on that, 
I want us to double down that the way of the world is not the way that God has called his kids to live, his men or his women. In fact, one of the things we do really, really well around here is we make sure that as we talk and engage our culture and the music and what's going on around us, we don't have our head in the sand, that we don't just embrace the culture, we engage the culture, and then we evaluate it against the values of God's word. And sometimes when a woman has lived consistently in a culture that identifies her as having value and worth simply because of the trappings of her life, the way she carries herself, her body shape, what she wears, how cool she is, and what's her pedigree, it makes it very hard for a woman who's experienced that over and over and over again in the culture, consciously experienced it, subconsciously experienced it, to then bring her full best self to a marriage. So guys, when you read a passage like this, or we discuss it here in this room, this passage implicitly calls on men to be gracious and understand that while God sees the heart, the world is harsh and judges from the outside. And even though this passage calls women to not give in to the lie that beauty is skin deep, it really runs to the core, it's the truth, don't give in to the lie, the passage says. He's calling on men to be gracious here. Now this is 1 Peter chapter 3. In chapters 1 and 2 of 1 Peter, Peter makes it clear that he's not talking to the world. He's talking to men and women who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now the reason that's important to keep in mind as we talk about this is there are going to be things we're talking about that are going to be completely opposite to what the world says and to what a world-worn and battered and wounded woman might feel really should be important. And so Peter wraps all of this stuff that he's saying here and the things that we're going to talk about in a minute under the category of let's remember what God had to say and let's shoot for what God wants. And so he looks at ladies. You know, I get regularly accused of beating up men around here, and we do. Ladies, bring your men to church because I'll beat them up with you, all right? So do that. But he doesn't just talk to men, and he doesn't put the full weight of the success of the relationship only on the men. He looks at women and he says, look, one of the things you can do is realize where your beauty really comes from. And what really makes you beautiful, maybe not to the world, but to a man who has Jesus at the center of his life. And not just to a man that has Jesus at the center of his life, these same principles will speak volumes to people who don't even care about faith. So, work on the inside, not just the outside. Because you'll be of great worth to all the men, but not just to men. They won't just see your beauty, praise your beauty, elevate their, your status in their eyes, in their mind, in their heart. It's important to God, too. So he places, listen, he places the way women act in a relationship under the category of the way they worship God. So that it's deeply spiritual. Now, I'm drilling down here just a minute, maybe because I carry a little bit of baggage. I, I grew up in, in an environment that uh, people loved the Word of God. The things of church were incredibly important. I'm talking about my church culture. But there was often a harshness around spiritual things. Very often a harshness. And I observed as a kid, and I didn't have categories for it, 
very spiritual men and women do incredibly ungodly things under the banner of being spiritual. So Peter's trying to clear up any misconception here. Spiritual worship for men and women, in this case specifically women, involves them embracing the idea that the way they do marriage matters. It's important. You can't be spiritual over here and absent of your spiritual drive and motivation in your marriage. That, that, it cannot be done. You can't put on the garb externally of spirituality over here and not bring a sense of humility and godness into the relationship. I guess you can try to do that, but it will not be effective. And that's the overarching idea for today. That the way you respond in your marriage, act in your marriage, in your relationships at large, because these aren't just principles for marriage, it's deeply spiritual. And focusing on the heart issues, the inside, really will get you much further down the road. But for you to buy into that, you're going to have to resist what the world says. I want to take you to another passage and unpack it for just a minute before I kind of drill down on some practicals. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. It's my go-to. When I do marriage counseling, when I do premarital counseling, don't do a lot of either of those anymore, this is the passage we memorize. Because in two short phrases, it describes the interaction that I have seen over and over and over again, and it gives a clear path to health. However, the Apostle Paul's writing, he begins the sentence with the word however. That means against all the stuff I just said, against the way the world acts, here's how people who claim Jesus as Lord should be acting. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, implied, because he says it elsewhere, as Christ loved the church. And now ladies, and the wife must respect her husband. Respect. Submit. Every time the Bible talks to women about their role in a marriage, every time, there are the words respect or submit or some variation of this idea that your attitude about your position in the marriage matters. And Paul and, and other writers in the Bible seem to want to constantly call women back to the idea that this respect that you offer, this not beat into you, this chosen submission to not always push your agenda, this chosen submission to letting your husband have authority and his words matter, something you choose for yourself to do, that that's, that's a secret to a successful marriage the way God wants it done. And it's against the world. That's why it's no surprise when we come to passages like this that people like I, like my wife maybe, maybe like some of you, hear a word like submit and we go, uh-oh, that seems fraught with problems. And it is. So as a way to kind of clear the clouds for just a few moments, I want to help us think about three ways that we can respect. I said we. I'm not a lady. Three ways, ladies, that you can respect your husband. Now, I know that for everything I'm going to say, there's an equal and corollary side for the men. I, I get that. And I promise you, if you make sure they keep coming to church, you know, don't talk to them if they don't. Don't be intimate with them if they won't come to church. 
Don't buy them things. Don't make them food. Don't wash their clothes if they don't come to church. Help me out here, ladies, all right? Um, you can do that, but all of that aside, if you bring them to church, I'll continually beat them up. But today, let me talk to you, all right? So three ways to think about the respect that you can show in a marriage. I want to talk to you about the head of respect, a heart of respect, and the hands of respect. The head of respect. How do you think about your husband? How do you think about him? Do you think about him in a way that's helpful? Are you hopeful when you think about your husband? Do you think about him in a way that shows respect? Or do you think about him in a way that shows disrespect? So some of you say, um, I have thoughts about my husband, and maybe they're not great, but I never speak them. I, I want to I tell you something ab- about men. We can be incredibly ignorant. It's true. I know it's a surprise. We can be incredibly ignorant. But over time, what you have in your mind, even if it doesn't come out through your mouth, over time, we can pick up subtle clues in the way you look at us. And what you don't say sometimes, in the, in the tone of your voice, even if you're saying the right things. When the Bible calls women to respect, to submit, forget the definitions we've embraced as a culture. One of the things that God means for women to take seriously is the thought life around how they view, consider, think about their natural go-tos with their husband how do you think about it when you're around your friends and they're sharing about their husbands what are the kinds of things you're thinking about as you hear them talk i've heard these kinds of words he's an idiot it's said in jest but it happens over and over and over again i don't mean like ah that was dumb of course you can almost say anything when there's trust but when there's a challenge In a relationship, ladies, one of the things you can think about is, how do I think about my husband? You ever think I could have done better than him? If I had it to do over again, I would choose somebody else. I'm smarter than he is. I'm so much better at him than this that I really shouldn't even have to listen to what he says. He's not very impressive. He can't keep up with me. He's not as nice as me. He's not as fun as me. He's not as dependable as me. He's not as hardworking as me. I deserve better. Here's the truth. You probably do. I know my wife deserves better than me. I know she does. But thinking like that about your husband will have huge implications. And that thought life will Leach out into the cracks and crevices of your behavior, your tone, your words, how you interact with him in public and in private. So not just with marriage. The Apostle Paul comes to us in Philippians and he says, what you think really matters, so think about this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, here's what the Apostle Paul says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Listen to these words. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. So we get to that list, whatever is true. Ladies, you could say, I'm just accurately defining my husband. 
<laughs> I see him. I know it's junk. I know he's an idiot. I know he's, I know. I, you can focus, but that's not the entirety of the list. It's what's true, but also what's honorable. Is there any position, is there any place, is there any last stronghold of honor left in your husband? If so, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, take time to acknowledge that, to think about that. Even if you don't say it, take time to acknowledge that, even in your own head, because when you think about your husband in an honorable way, again, it will leach into the other areas of life. And what's right, that doesn't just mean what's right versus wrong, but Think about the way it should be. And is there any area of life that he has with you where he's doing it right? And does that sense of rightness actually impact you? Does it temper the other stuff at all? And pure and lovely and admirable? I'm telling you, when you live with an idiot like me, it's hard to keep a list that matches the kinds of things the Apostle Paul's talking about. So let me give you one practical thing you can do, ladies. Most of you have a smartphone. Anytime you catch your husband doing something that's not stupid, the, the once a week it happens. Make a note. Anytime he does something that would ever be possibly honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, make a note in your phone. Write it on a piece of paper intentionally mark it in your mind. All of us men, all of us want your praise. All of us want your approval. All of us want you to be proud of us. And we are our own worst enemies on this. And we need you to help us remember that as stupid as we are, that there's still some honor in us. We still do a few things right. That there's some loveliness about us. And the only opinion in the world that really matters is yours. When I get done with the message, I won't do it today because I, I, I pointed it out and I'll feel subconscious about it. But when I get done with the message, I hear all kinds of feedback. Mostly good. Thank you, thank you Jesus. That's awesome. And it, it's deeply meaningful when you send me a note and say, what you said impacted me. But can I tell you something? There's really only one person in the room who has the ability to speak life to me. And she's sitting right over there. Now maybe you thought I was going to say Jesus. And I wish it were enough to just have the approval of my Heavenly Father. But it's not. That makes me, makes me unspiritual, but it also puts me in the same category with most men. We want you to think good about us, even when you have evidence to, to the contradiction. Think about these things. Then verse 9. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, Paul says. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then he says, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. Oh, that's a nice image. That's a nice image. The God of peace who takes disjointed information and brings them together. On this hand, I have evidence that my husband is an idiot. But I have these occasional moments where it's obvious he's not. So Paul says, focus here and watch peace flood the relationship. Watch the God of peace flood the relationship. It doesn't mean you can't acknowledge, call them on it, 
speak corrective words? Of course you can. Every loving relationship has that as a part of it. God has given women that voice in a marriage. But it should have equally powerful and clear voice over here. Thank you for doing that. When I see you do that, it reminds me what I saw in you on the front end. I appreciate what you did over here. And you're going to have to go look for it. And here's why, because sometimes we don't do it enough. And sometimes we send very mixed signals. And sometimes we get busy. And honestly, we don't treat you right. But it's in your compliments that you can call us back to center. And sometimes through corrective words as well, of course. But you have a profound power in the relationship. God causes you, calls you to leverage respect and to think about your husband. Here's the other way. The heart of respect. How do you think about your husband and how do you feel about your husband? Let me ask you ladies. It's okay if it's true. You don't have to answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. Don't stand up. You got any bitterness in there? Anything happen? And you said you're sorry and you are, you said I forgive you and you mean it, but there's still a, a root of bitterness down in there? It's okay. It's understandable. It might be the most logical thing in the world. But the Bible says that a root of bitterness in our hearts, it's like a root on a sidewalk in the middle of the city. The root's going to grow. And when it does, it's going to put pressure on that sidewalk. And at first, it's a small crack. But have you ever been to a city where the, the trees have been growing for 30 or 40 years along the sidewalk? And the sidewalk is all bumped and cracked and uneven. This is what bitterness will do in you. How you think about your husband is deeply important. And how you feel about him. Because it tends to leach out. Let me share with you, ladies, where Jesus said your feelings about your husband will show up the most. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. I don't like this verse. I like right now that I'm talking to the ladies about it, but men, it's true for us as well. Here's what Jesus said. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Maybe you've heard it this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All, eventually, what's in here will come out. Sometimes in tone, but I mean in this passage specifically in your speech. So how are you talking about your husband lately, ladies? To your friends? To your mom? To him? In front of your kids? I have seen women castrate their husbands verbally in front of their children. It's terribly damaging. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart will come out in what you say. So God looks at women and he says, I know it's hard. I know the world doesn't set you up for success. But how you think about your husband in your head, how you feel about your husband in your heart, that's going to have a profound impact on your spiritual walk. And it's going to have a profound impact on your marriage. So... Ask me to help you, God says. Ask me to help you. Ask me to help you respect your husband. 
Ask me to give you strength to choose regularly to submit and value him equal to you, at least equal. How do you think about your husband? How do you feel about your husband? Your head, your heart, and the third one, your hands. Your hands. How do you think? How do you feel? What do you do? What do you do? I know that in our house, my wife carries the lion's share of the workload. Uh, I'm not always a good helper. I want to let you know, ladies, I'm not just talking, and in fact, I'm not going to spend any more time talking about housework and family work. That's not to minimize that, because that's huge. And it's important. But can I tell you what really, really matters here? That matters. Of course it does. And your maternal instinct kicks in, and we're not ever going to turn that off, and I don't want you to turn that off. I love that about you, ladies. You're rapidly protective of your kids, and you should be. But what I'm talking about here is helping your husband become and develop into the person that God wanted him to be. And what you do with him and what you do for him, what you do in your actions. Ladies, you're incredibly powerful. Your influence, I can't state it enough, it's huge in your home. How you think, how you feel, and what you do. So all the way back to the first passage about marriage, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, here's what the Lord reveals to us about the core of marriage. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. That's not to say that you always just buy into his agenda and do his thing and you're just there in the shadows helping out. That is not the spirit of this. That is not the intent of this at all. But it is the idea of calling you ladies to regularly pick up the burden and adjust the schedule and do behaviors that speak life and joy and meaning and value to your husband. So when you make time for us, doing what we enjoy, and you're just with us, it's huge. There was a survey done about 10 years ago. You can find this online. Men ranked what they wanted most in their wives. I thought, if, if you would have asked me what would that list look like, I would have put right at the top, sex. That wasn't when men were had a moment to think and reflect, and in the privacy of them and a piece of paper, that wasn't what men consistently said. You know what they said? They wanted friendship. They wanted to do the things they enjoy with their wives. I'm telling you, in my subjective experience as a pastor, that has borne itself true over and over again. Ladies, we want you to make time for us. Of course we want sex. Then I, I said it, there we go. Ladies, give your men more sex. Got it. All right, we're good, okay? Of course we want that, but we want your companionship. We want you to come alongside us. And when we need corrected, and we will regularly, we want you to do it as if we matter and if we have a, as if we have a, you know, a heart as well. And when you speak words of correction, we want you to do that in a way that's gentle and kind. And deep down, we want to believe you want what's best for us so that when you speak words that we absolutely need to hear, you're careful to craft them in a way that makes it easier for us to receive them. We don't want you to ever speak bad about us in front of other people. Not ever. Even when you're right. You, I'm exempting counselors 
And more than that, we want to hear you praise us. Not every minute of every day, but we want to hear you tell your mother how great we are. We do. And your friends. And we know you're lying. And we give you a pass. We want you to lie about how great we are. At least how great we're becoming. At least that we have the seeds of being great people. So ladies, how do you think about your husbands? How do you feel about your husbands? And how are you adjusting your behavior around your husband so that he feels respected? Not that you offered the respect. I'm sure you're already doing it. But you help span the gap between what you're doing and how he, e- how he evaluates it so that he feels respected. Let's take a few steps together and we'll talk about some things we can do to make that happen. As we get ready to do that, I want to give you a chance to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Remember, I started by saying anybody can benefit from this, but if you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus, you may not know that there is a God who not only loves you, has a plan for your life, but will come alongside you and help you live the life that he wants for you. In order to have that life, you just acknowledge that you're a sinner and you commit your life to him. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. If you want to do that, please check next step A. And when the offering buckets come by at the end of the service, just put it in. And we'll communicate with you about that. You're not joining our church. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And you can just say with your own words or borrow my God, I'm a sinner. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Or how about next step B? You want to get, ba- next up, you want to get baptized? Check it. Put in the offering bucket when it comes by. And we'll communicate with you. Answer your questions about it. Or how about next step C? Can we just be honest for a moment, ladies? Can we talk? Is this true? Disrespecting my husband has been too common at my house. Today I'm confessing it, and I'm asking for his forgiveness and patience. Don't let the sun go down. If there's any work you need to do here, it would be a gift. And men, if you get this gift, you treat it valuably. How about next step, D? At least once a day for 14 days, my husband will hear me praise him. I'm asking you ladies to find one good thing to say that's accurate. and Speak it out loud to your husband. I think you can change the tone of a lot of things in that one practice. Or how about next step E? By midnight tonight, I'm going to ask my husband this question. What is one thing I can do that will make you feel more respected? Let's pray about these things right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and mercy. God, thank you for the women in this room who put up with so much from the world and their families from their husbands. God, I ask that you would put grace over all of this. And you would call all of us, both men and women, to follow your path. I lift up those who are accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're saying, I'm a sinner. God, forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. And God, I pray for our precious, wonderful women. That you would empower them to embrace what you call them to with humility and in power. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen and amen.